When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Amazon. They say a penny saved is a penny earned. But they didn't say the best way to do that is with free shipping on millions of items at Amazon. And that's just for starters. From epic daily deals to low-priced everyday essentials to saving up to 15% with subscribe and save, Amazon can always save you a pretty penny. Learn all the ways to save with Amazon. Spend less. Smile more. Bulls fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. I am Mark Kayo from Australia and I'm, I'm joined as always by Will the Goat Gottlieb. Will, how are you, sir? I am doing all right, wrapping my mind around the giant trade deadline acquisitions across the league of which the Bulls had zero part in. <laughs> yeah, if you are an NBA fan, you're pretty pleased of how everything transpired. If you were a Bulls fan, well, depending on your position on the matter, then maybe you were less inclined, I suppose, or less uh, less joy- uh, joyous in terms of the uh, the deadline experience. But um, yeah, like, I mean, maybe we can start there. High level thoughts about how we're feeling right now. Like we're we're recording this just uh, for for transparency. We're, we're we're recording this three hours after the deadline has passed. It's given us some time to maybe you think about things, to reflect on things, to collect our thoughts some. But um, yeah, well, how, how are you feeling about this, you know, now that we've had a few hours to to sort of marinate on our, on our thoughts? Yeah, I think the NBA trade deadline is just, you know, crack for NBA fans. Like people are just like freaking out, shaking for every single Woj, Woj bomb that comes through. And yeah, trades are fun. Like I want to be... I want to be on the receiving end of a of a good player. Obviously, last year we felt the Vooch trade really shake up the the whole roster construction and really excited the fan base. Same thing happened over the summer. Um, you know, you bring in Demar Derozan, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, all these big names, and you get really excited about all the potential there. And so, for a trade deadline to pass, first real opportunity, I think that. AK has not made a move since he took over the team and basically let um, let the Bulls kind of see what they had with the current roster after taking over from Garpax until the Vooch trade at that deadline. Um, it's a little, I think I was a little disappointed just in the face of, you know, it not being very fun, 
but I think there's a lot of context that comes with it. And um, I think we should start, you know, unless you have any other high level thoughts, just with everything else that went around the East and where that sort of, you know, what the ramifications of that are for the Bulls. Yeah, I guess my overwhelming feeling about this whole thing is that um, it was kind of what I was expecting based on just all the murmurings that, you know, the the minute that it was starting to become clear that Patrick Williams wasn't on the table, then any chance of making a real big move, let's say, to uh, solidify this team as a real contender or maybe a, a bigger contender than what they already are, depending on how you feel about this team. Like the minute it became clear that it didn't seem like Patrick Williams was going to get moved, then, you know, from then I started to already accept that if any move the Bulls made was going to be a minor one, whatever that move may may have been. Because at, at the end of the day, if you take Pat Williams off the table, then, you know, you've really left with Kobe, Troy Brown Jr., Derek Jones Jr.'s expiring deal, the Portland pick, which looks... I don't know, not as appealing now given the Blazers have made a whole bunch of changes that sort of signal that um, that they're going to be potentially tanking. I mean, they're trying to rebuild around Dame, but if that doesn't work and if things go bad, then this lottery protected pick that the Bulls have for a number of years from Portland, then I don't know, maybe it loses its value or doesn't have as much luster as it does now compared to maybe when we acquired it or maybe in future years even. So when Pat was off the table, I was kind of bracing for this, but at the same time, like I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't make some minor moves around the fringes that could have solidified the roster now whilst the team is injured and hurt and trying to get through the next four to six weeks without Caruso and Lonzo. But I guess that sort of was amplified when um, I saw teams around the Bulls positioning in the Eastern Conference sort of making moves. Like we, we the Sixers and and, um, and the Nets made obviously the biggest move, the, the huge move between Harden and Simmons. But like even teams like the Bucks made moves like that to get uh, someone like a Barker who would have been nice for the Bulls. Like that helps their center rotation. Um, Boston, I thought, actually had a fantastic trade deadline. Like they made some really nice moves themselves. Um, the Raptors got Thad Young. So like the, the teams that are sort of the balls are competing with now in that, let's let's call it the three to seven range, three to eight range. Like all of those teams made moves to that, theoretically at least, made their team better. Whereas the balls sort of stand pat like the guys that they have and, and want to see what this team can be once, once healthy again, which I understand. But I, I think it's just the, the combination of the fact that they didn't do anything whilst those around them did is... um. Just leaving me want, uh, a little bit, a little bit worried, I suppose, based on the fact that um, the Bulls still have injuries. They're still going to be out without Caruso and and, and uh, Alonso for some time, and I'm I'm just worried where that may lead to uh, down the line. Apparently, that um, is too negative a thought for certain people based on some feedback I'm getting. But I, I think is is a real uh, a real uh, reality that the Bulls sort of fall into that seven or eight place in the East. And if that happens, then who the hell knows what happens? But I don't know. Maybe that's me. I don't know. At least people are telling me I'm being a downer at the moment, but uh, I think I'm being a realist. But uh, here we are. But I don't know. Like, should we talk about more about the the moves around the the, the Eastern Conference that were made and how they influenced the Bulls? Given the Bulls themselves didn't make any moves at all. It's a good place to start. So I guess yeah. let's just run down the rankings. So Miami yesterday made a move, sending Casey Okpala to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and in that trade, um, sort of buried in the fine print of the press release was a note that said that they adjusted the protections on a pick owed to OKC. And uh, so in addition to opening up a roster spot, which they will now use to um, convert Caleb Martin's two-way contract into an NBA 
full-time contract, which allows him to play in the playoffs, which I think is is a pretty significant internal sort of move. That also allows them to potentially sort of prime themselves for a bigger move this summer. So um, they may not have added any big names, but I think they do get better just by getting Caleb Martin into that playoff rotation and then also set themselves up, as I mentioned, for a big move this summer. The Bucks were part of a, a four-team trade that netted them Serge Ibaka um, incoming and Dante DiVincenzo to the Sacramento Kings. So Serge, obviously, you know, that shot blocking, three-point shooting, sort of five presence um, can slot into the Brook Lopez role uh, as long as he's hurt. And I think that rounds them really well on top of the fact that they're just the defending champs and uh, a really damn good team. The Cavs obviously got Karis LeVert in a in a trade that basically they gave up, you know, a late first round pick, an early second round pick, and Ricky Rubio's expiring contract. So they're adding a ton of talent without really giving up anything. Uh, and the Cavs have been playing really well. I mean, they're they're a scary team. I, I don't I don't really feel like people are giving them the sort yeah. of credit that they deserve as far as you know potential to to make some noise in the playoffs. Obviously, as you mentioned, the 76ers and the Nets had the big blockbuster 76ers. I mean, they bring in James Harden, who's James Harden. And, you know, you can quibble about like, will he fit? Will the defense be okay? But like they have two top 10 players in the NBA. They're going to be very, very good. And especially when they weren't getting anything from Ben Simmons to essentially just move Harden for Seth Curry in terms of production that you have on the floor this season. I mean, they're going to be incredibly good. And then on the Nets side of that, Ben Simmons is, I think, going to probably handle a lot of the primary ball handling responsibilities. They have an incredible amount of shooting around KD, Kyrie and Simmons with Seth Curry now, Joe Harris, if he ever comes back, Patty Mills, they're going to be super dangerous. The Raptors, as you said, got that young. The Celtics got Derek White. I mean, all of these teams made moves to get better and you have the Bulls sitting there in third place. Um three and a half games out of the play-in tournament, and they didn't do anything. And I think long-winded rant way of saying um, that like sort of this idea that just getting the guys back healthy is a move in itself is a, is a really sort of disappointing rationale for me for not making any moves. And I think you feel the same way. Yeah, I just hate that as a justification. Like, I, It's fine if you want to keep your team in place. You don't want to make any bigger moves because you think this team can compete as currently constructed or maybe there wasn't you know significant moves to make out there for you that would have improved the team or whatever the situation is but um yeah i, I just always hate the justification of our oh, guys that are coming back from injury uh our move like that would have been the move regardless you do you dopes like you, you would have had that anyway like you could have still traded for tory craig whilst getting back lonzo caruso Patrick Williams, whatever the situation may have been. So I, I just hate that justification. It makes no sense at all. Um, you, you can have your cake and eat it in that sense too. So uh, I hate that as a justification. Um, but yeah, it, it is what it is. But um, yeah, look, I just... It, for me, I think maybe part of the frustration is as well is the fact that it maybe is less about the deadline and more so me just... I just guess being saddened by the fact that this amazing start to the season has been crippled some here because of these injuries. And, you know, we've seen the balls, you know, they're still in like the third or fourth seed at the moment. But as we sort of touched on last podcast over the last 20 to 21 games, 
they've been essentially a 500 team. They've been one of the worst defenses in the NBA. There's no reason to, to think with this roster unchanged now and to having to rely more on DeMar, Levine, and Zach who have been playing almost 40 minutes a game that for whatever reason, that's going to change over the next month whilst we wait for Caruso, Lonzo, and Patrick Williams to get back. So if the Bulls play at like a 500 level over the next 10, 15, 20 games, whatever it is until these guys are back, then it's just a, it's just going to be an interesting position based on where these other teams uh, are going to maybe be situated. And, and as we sort of just talked about, like those teams got better. Now, my hope is that maybe for whatever reason, the Sixers start off slow in the Harden era. Maybe it takes time for Harden and MB to, to get on the same page. And in doing so, maybe, you know, they're just slow out of the gates. And similarly for the Nets, like, yeah, they got Ben Simmons, but he's not suiting up tomorrow, so to speak. Uh, Kyrie is, is still a part-time player. They got some nice role players, like Drummond's a nice add, I think, for them as well, because it gives them another big option, which is someone they didn't really have before. Not to say that Andre Drummond is a great player, but it, it's just an extra body that they didn't have previously. So... I'm kind of hoping that the Nets and Sixers, even though I think their peak versions, uh, you know, uh, got a lot better than what they were at the same time, maybe over the next two to three weeks, it takes them time to build up to what their final realized, actualized version is. And maybe that time that it takes them to, to build up to that point gives the Bulls enough time to get Lonzo and Caruso back. But at the same time, like the Raptors have been playing great. They, they've, they, they've added Thad Young. Um, I'm assuming Thad's not going to be bought out given that they traded him for a first round pick. Um, the Celtics, as I sort of said before, like Derek White and, and Daniel Tice going there and, and pretty much they just gave up Schroeder and Joshua Richardson. Um, like they're, they're going to be a good team as well. So I don't know. I, I think the Bulls are in a risky, uh, precarious position at the moment. I think there's a chance that they slide a bit here. And um, I know some people won't like hearing that because I don't know. They think this team can maintain being a top three, four, five, six C type thing, but I think there is, I think there's a chance that they maybe slide a bit, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just worried that by the time they do get back healthy, that maybe the damage is already done, where they're sort of in already in that seven, eight position, and it may be just a little bit too much of an uphill battle to get back up into that top six. Who, who the hell knows? Maybe things happen. Maybe one of those teams above them gets, you know, a guy gets hurt, and maybe they're they're able to to reclaim a position, but based on the variables as to where they stand today, I think the Bulls are war- the Bulls are worse off just by the fact that they did nothing. That isn't to say that they're, they're a bad team, but they're they're worse off because they stood stood pat whilst everyone around them got better. So I, I think that in that sense they went backwards. And I think the other thing to consider here is that they probably needed a piece, even if everybody else stood pat, right? I mean that's why we were talking about Jeremy Grant. That's why we were talking about Harrison Barnes or Tory Craig or Nick Batum or any of these guys that would have helped because they needed somebody. And so on top of all these teams getting better, you know, some of them even picking up the targets that the Bulls should have been after. Paul Millsap going to the 76ers, uh, uh, Tory Craig going to the Suns. Some of these guys are now going to be playing against the Bulls who they would have needed had everybody else did Pat. And so I think it, it pushes them even further away from their ultimate goal of being super competitive. So I agree. I think, you know, you, we can, we can have a discussion about like maybe what they should have done. Um, you know, some of these guys got moved around for sort of cheap prices. Tory Craig comes to mind getting moved to the Suns for Jalen Smith, who, um, is going to be a free agent next year. He was the former 10th pick by the Suns, but they did not pick up his option. So he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and a future second. Could the Bulls have maybe, or should they have maybe um, used the Portland pick to try to beat that offer? 
Um, I think it's one thing to say, you know, don't just act because everybody else is acting. Don't just mm. overpay to make a move because, you know, you feel like you have to. So I'm glad they didn't necessarily move Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant. All indications were that Grant wanted more touches, more usage, and more money. And frankly, the Bulls just weren't going to be able to do that. But um, I do wonder, like, if you think there were any moves to be had that they maybe missed out on, because I think it's one thing to say, well, look, it sucks that they didn't make any moves, or I'm glad they didn't overpay for anybody. But is there anything you feel like they could have done that they didn't? Well, I think it's hard. It's always hard to know, and we're just merely speculating. But we can only really comment on the deals that were made, I suppose, and and the ones that were made because you know they're the ones that we have visibility on. Uh, like the, the the Craig one is the one that sticks out to my mind, Tory Craig. Uh, for a number of reasons. One, because, you know, you and I and many others have been speculating about his fit on the balls. Like, even if you have Patrick Williams returning, um, he would be a great add and he would be someone to add that you wouldn't have to give Patrick Williams up for. So, in the, you know, for the people that wanted to upgrade the power forward position but wanted to keep Pat, like Tory Craig was a good, uh, Tory Craig rather was a, a good stopgap solution. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Craig, as I mentioned last week. But like, like Tory Craig would have been a good add. And, Jalen Smith and a future second round pick, like I think the Bulls could have beaten that offer. Now, you know, someone may think, you know, Jalen Smith, he was a you know a draft pick, a, you know, a, someone that was drafted last last year, like fine, like he, he's one and a half years into his career, but the Suns declined his rookie deal next year. If you want to keep keep Jalen Smith, then you have to pay him as a free agent next season. And by all reports, um, as per Jake Fisher, like he he was reporting that the that the um, that the Pacers were trying to deal with Jalen Smith as the deadlines were sort of approaching. So like it's not like that they traded for Jalen Smith, looking at this guy as a future piece of their franchise. Like like he was some recent draft pick that you you want to go all in on type thing. They, they were trying to move him for picks um, yeah, at the deadline. So could you have done Kobe in a future second for? For um, Tory Cray, maybe, maybe I don't know if Troy Brown Jr. and a second round pick, or maybe Troy Brown Jr. and a couple seconds, whatever it may have been. Troy Brown Jr. and that Portland pick, whatever it may have been. I don't know, like throw up whatever variables you wanted to to put into play. But I think the Bulls could have gotten into Tory Cray. But I guess that's what I start thinking about. You know, what what are the ramifications from a tax point of view? Um, and we can come and talk about that and expand on that in a little bit more. But I don't know, like. Maybe they just didn't value Tory Craig for whatever reason. I, I would be surprised given that Tory Craig was a Denver guy and AK was in Denver, obviously. They have some sort of connection. I would assume that he would would have liked to get a play like Tory Craig in, but he went to the uh, to the Suns. The Suns got better. Obviously, the Suns aren't in the Bulls' conference, but uh, you know, should we make it to the finals and the Suns are there, then the Suns got better at the deadline too. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the main one. Like They could have, I think, gone for Tory Craig a little bit harder based on what he what he went for, and I would have liked to seen Tory K come through because he, to me, he would have been a perfect four, backup four or even a backup five option if he wanted to go small. So, like, that's probably the main one for me. Um, and, and, like, I was surprised as well that Kobe is actually here past the deadline. Like, I, I think he makes sense for this team as currently constructed going into this season or the remainder of this season. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision on Kobe. And if you don't want to pay him his next contract, I thought, like, moving him now made sense one, to recoup some value from him because he's maybe not part of that long-term deal or long-term, I guess, positioning of the team. But, I mean, that's still a possibility in the offseason, so maybe that happens then. But, 
yeah, I, I'm surprised that they didn't move like Kobe for a player like Tory Craig, but it is what it is. Um, Tory Craig's obviously going to Phoenix, not coming to Chicago, but but that's probably the main one that I'm that I'm hung up on. I would say. I would say. I think also you you know you're kind of reminding me of how I think people felt after the Vucevic trade last year, which was like, oh, that this was an overpay because we gave up you know Wendell Carter, who's a great young prospect, and two picks. And I think that's kind of the game that you're playing right now is, do you want to push in your chips to make moves that help you win now? Um, obviously, you know, the move has to be the right one. And maybe Kobe is more valuable to AK than Tory Craig would have been just for this year or whatever it may be. But I guess my point is that you can't really have it both ways where you, you know, you value your young guys and you want to see them develop, but you also want to win now, but you also don't want to pay the price that it's going to take to not only get a guy, but outbid the rest of teams. Um, so it's just a, it's a tricky situation. I don't necessarily blame AK for not making any moves uh, just because, like I said, he shouldn't have to do that just because everybody else is. But um, I do think that the result is, you know, that they're now in a pretty precarious situation. So uh, those two things to me are not mutually exclusive. You can be you can get worse by not doing anything and also um, not want to overpay for a guy just because, you know, you feel peer pressure. So um, I think that's a good transition into the idea of getting into and paying the tax, which was another thing that we speculated about in our last show. Um, Casey Johnson basically asked Karnaschovas after the, or during the uh, post deadline press conference, if they felt comfortable you know, presenting uh, or taking on a contract, making a trade for a contract that would have pushed the bulls into the tax. And the quote is that there's a lot that goes into decision-making, but we're happy with the group. So to me, (laughs) that is a big flashing neon sign from the Reinsdorf saying, we didn't want to go into the tax. And that was kind of our fear in the last episode. And I think, you know, we we pretty much have the answer there, which is that they were not going into the tax for Jeremy Grant or for anybody because then you run into the luxury tax and the repeater tax next year if you want to re-sign Zach for the max. And so these things can snowball quickly, but it is a little disappointing just because of how well the team started. And as we're saying now, they kind of are falling further behind in the race and sort of banking on health when everybody else is is going out there to try to actively get better. Yeah, and and talking about this or using this this tax angle, let's say, or the the the, the agenda topic, or the the balls going into the luxury tax. KC followed up his question uh, to Karnaschovas in a story where he he uh, essentially said the balls were prepared. A team source said that ownership is comfortable paying the luxury tax and management knew this as it approached this deadline. So that's verbatim from, from Casey's uh, story that he had post the deadline. But that's in one sentence. And literally the next sentence, Casey writes, the Bulls have only paid the luxury tax one time in franchise history. Um, he also says, in other words, financial restrictions were not not a reason why moves were not made. Now, I don't know about you, Will, but like it's very easy for a team source to say after the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, we were prepared to pay the luxury tax and, and management knew, knew this. But at the same time, like it, it's, it's very easy to say that now. But at the same time, like 
the fact that this team has never paid, well, no, I won't say never, has only paid the luxury tax, the luxury tax once in franchise history. We have 30 odd years of data to suggest that the, the Reinsdorfs will not pay the tax unless, you know, in that one, once in a blue moon type situation, like they have one time literally in franchise history. There's no reason for me to put any credibility to this team source who is saying that ownership would have paid for the luxury tax at this time because, well, one, they didn't do it. But two, like the, the 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 years and years of data that we have based on this franchise not paying the tax and not wanting to go anywhere near it suggests that there's no reason for me to to think that's a credible argument at all. So, in that sense, um, despite Casey's reporting, which I'm sure you know is true in fact, this is what the this, the team source says. I, I just don't believe what that team source is putting out there. So I think that's a lot of nonsense. I do think the Bulls are wary about paying the tax, I think because of Levine's likely max deal coming through and potentially a super max deal coming through, um, you know, adding adding someone like Tory Craig maybe wouldn't have changed your luxury tax position for this season, particularly if you were to ship him out for, say, Troy Brown Jr. Like, they make similar money. Same with Kobe White. Like, if you just trade Tory Craig for Kobe White, they both make similar deals. So, in that sense, it would have been a net neutral position from a cost point of view for this season. But like if you're trading Troy Brown Jr. for Tory Craig, like Troy Brown Jr. is an expiring deal. Tory Craig has a guaranteed five million dollars on his deal next season. Or if you're dealing, you know, Derek Jones Jr., who's an expiring deal, and you're dealing him for someone who is making guaranteed money for next year and beyond potentially, then that's going to impact your salary position next year. And and with Zach earning that max deal that's coming up, um, yeah, I, I just don't buy it that this team is. Uh, yeah, would have added to their luxury tax bill, and maybe like time will tell that 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 is the case. Maybe they'll prove me wrong at you know in the off season where they they max out Zach, they uh they use their mid level exception, they add other pieces via the trade, they push them into the luxury tax. Maybe at that time I'll um I'll, I'll say I was wrong, but based on based on the information and the variables today, I, I just don't believe it at all. Yeah, and to be fair, there haven't been very many chances. I can't believe I'm defending the Dorfs here, but there haven't been very many like <laughs> real reasons to go into the tax. Like the Bulls have just never been that good. Obviously, the Derrick Rose era, you know, it would have been nice, but he was hurt the whole time, and so maybe it didn't make sense. Um, but it does kind of stink of that that Jerry quote from um, the Last Dance documentary when he said that it was like better to come in second so that you leave the carrot dangling for the fans. Um, but I think another sort of under, um, I don't want to say reported, but something that hasn't really been talked about is the fact that now you're kind of giving up on Derek Jones and Troy Brown, Troy Brown Jr. as trade chips, because it's very unlikely that they come back to the bulls. Um, but they, you know, that's combined $14 million in, um, in expiring contracts that is like pretty valuable to, to other teams that are trying to shed money for for the future so i think that was an opportunity if you throw kobe in there that gets you up to 20 million you have the first round pick i mean i think they could the the pick from the blazers i think they could have done something with that and you know it'll be curious to see what they do this summer whether it's you know somehow some way like you said push themselves into the luxury tax or if they rely on veteran minimums buyout guys. Um, and we can talk about some options there, but that would be my hunch is that they put the big money onto the key contributors and then try to avoid paying the, you know, four to 10, $12 million contracts and just go for veteran minimums. Mm. Yeah. Look, that 
that's that's certainly possible. Um, you know, it's that maybe that's a little bit harder now that they don't have their first round pick. Like that would have been an option to to get someone in on a on a low contract deal. But obviously, that twenty twenty three pick is going to the Magic next season. The uh, the Portland pick won't be conveying. So to your point, they will have to be relying on those sort of exceptions if that's the plan. Like to sort of front load the contracts, or not not necessarily front load, but to to upweight the contracts in your main guys, put all your money and resources there, and try to fill out the roster on on unless it deals like they've done with Javante or you get a steal like Io, those types of things. Maybe that's how you find that competitive advantage from a you know from a, a pure I don't know roster construction or, or uh, you know cap building point of view. But you know time will tell. But I, I guess now that the trade deadline is done. We obviously know the Bulls have not made any haven't made any moves. They're still left with this situation at the moment where they're relying on guys like Matt Thomas, Tony Bradley, Troy Brown Jr., Malcolm Hill to be like their main bench dudes, whilst Caruso and uh, and Lonzo are out, and Pat and DJJ and those sorts of things. And and hopefully hell that no more injuries come because uh, we're asking a lot of Zach and and Demar at the moment. But I, I guess the attention now turns to the buyout options. And I, like for me, it's not it's not that reassuring given the uh, some of the potential names that may be available via the the buyouts. But uh, we'd be remiss not to discuss that point given that this is pretty pretty much the Bulls' last chance of um, you know adding talent to the roster before the playoffs. So I don't know what what options are there at the buyout, and, and do any of these options really make any feasible sense, or will they matter in terms of changing or influencing the rotation at all? I think that's been a pretty common counter argument to not making any trades is yeah well we'll go after guys in in the buyout market and i think before you even start to look at some of the options here you have to consider that you're not just it's not your pick of the litter i mean we're talking about competing with the miami heat of the world who just opened up a a roster spot as i mentioned um the lakers the clippers like all these teams that have that are big markets that are competitive it's not like the bulls just have you know first choice so they're going to have to compete with some of these teams. And to your point, there aren't that many real impact players on the buyout market this year, mm-hmm. let alone any other year. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, Paul Millsap was somebody mm-hmm. that I thought the Bulls could go after as a buyout. Yeah. He's obviously now with the 76ers. That's probably not going to happen. No, Thad, I, him. I was really hoping him. Thad yeah. would get traded and then bought out so he could come back mm-hmm. to the Bulls, but he's not going anywhere. Um, no. you have guys like Goran Dragic, but I think the Mavericks and the Heat would probably have a, uh, have the leg up against the Bulls there. Tristan Thompson, who just got traded, could be an option. Not sure how much of a difference maker he is at this point in his career, but the Bulls do need some size. And, you know, he's a great offensive rebounder and has that classic championship pedigree. Um, <laughs> DeAndre Bembry got waived. He's not very good. And, um, we were kind of joking in the uh, in the group DM here about how he's basically Troy Brown Jr. Don't really need another one of those. Um, there just aren't that many options out there. And I think even the ones, even if there is a chance that they're able to get somebody, one, they're going to have to like do some caprobatics to free up the roster spot to stay under the luxury tax. And two, they're going to have to compete with these other teams to get somebody. I don't know, maybe like Dennis Schroeder got traded to the Rockets. I don't know if he's long for Houston. Maybe he is, but in the event that he's not, then that was a guy that the Bulls were connected to via trade. So maybe that's an option where in the event that he clears or is waived and is potentially available as a free agent, then then maybe he could be an option. But to your point, like you're still competing with 
the likes of the Lakers, the Nets even now. Um, like they will need <laughs> some guard help given that they're without Hart and Simmons is not going to be playing for a while. It seems like it's going to take time for him to come back and, and obviously Kyra is a part-time player. So like they're going to be competing with these other big markets as well for these players. Uh, no one mentioned Ennis Cantor's name to me, please. Tristan Thompson, like when is the, the, the last time we heard anything positive about Tristan Thompson on the basketball court? Like the only time I've heard about Tristan Thompson's name is when it's related to something to do with the Kardashians and him cheating on one of his wives or whatever it is. Like I, I don't I don't want to hear about Tristan Thompson at all. Uh, you know, Dragic, like, yeah, cool. He would be interesting, but why would he not go back to Miami? Like you talked about, the fact that the Heat just opened up a roster spot, and like last week or the week before, um, there there was there was a photo going around like that Dragic was spotted at a Miami Heat game, like even though he was contracted still with the, uh, like even though he's still a Toronto Raptors player, like he was at the Heat game. So like, why would he pick the Bulls over an organization that he's all, all already familiar with, like like the Heat or hell, like why wouldn't he go play with Luca? Uh, I understand that they just acquired Dinwiddie, but at the same time, like. He, he and, and, and Luca have a connection for it being countrymen type thing. So I'm not expecting much from the deadline, uh, sorry, the buyout position at all. And, and a lot of the guys I was hopeful for, like a Paul Millsap, he's just not going to get bought out at this point. Like the Sixers don't have a lot of front court guys now that they got rid of Andre Drummond. Like they need kind of Paul Millsap to play. So yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of names out there unless someone is just sort of waved, maybe like Rob, Robin Lopez, but like even Robin Lopez is, I'm not getting excited about a 30-something-year-old Robin Lopez at this point. Like He's not really changing things for the Bulls. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a downer at the moment. But to me, the, the buyout market doesn't really offer many solutions either. I can't really think of anybody that would be, you know, really worth um, that extra roster spot who would really make a difference on this team. I think, you know, from what it sounds like, just praying for health is going to be the way forward. And... The Bulls were a very, very good team when they were healthy, so maybe that's all they need. Um, I, obviously, I, th- I think they can they can be competitive in the playoffs with the roster that they had, but at the same time, we're talking about you know now from from two three weeks ago, we're talking about maintaining that first seed, so you only have to play one of the Bucks and the Nets um, in this in the conference finals, as opposed to having to go through both of them. And now you're looking at potentially having to go through, you know having to play one of them in the first round of the playoffs. Um, So I do think the ceiling of this team is now much lower, just given the fact that everybody else got better, everybody else got more dangerous and the bulls are going to fall in the standings. I mean, yeah, it sucks to say, but I I just, I don't see a world where they're able to continue to climb now, um, despite the fact that everybody else got better and the roster is still sort of in shambles. So I'm definitely feeling a little down. I hate to to go back to the the rebuild days of misery, but you know, I, I I am a little doom and gloom right now, just given the fact that the East is now so loaded and there are so many like high level contending potential teams out there. Mm. And look, I think a lot of these teams in the East swung for it now because they feel like it's it's quite open and there's a chance that they could. They could make a, you know, an, maybe not an unrealistic, but a, a real chance at, at, you know, doing something based on how the seedings fall. Like if the the Nets and Sixers were to meet in the first round, as an example, or whatever it may be, like maybe as currently 
this, as the standings are currently positioned, like there's a chance that the Heat and the Nets play in the first round, or the Bucks and and whoever you know plays in the first round type thing. Like if some of those teams take each other out, I guess is my point. What depending on where where things fall, then you may just be in that fortuitous position where you avoid that, and maybe instead of playing two or three of these teams, like playing the Nets and the Sixers and and the Bucks, maybe you avoid two or three of those teams because they sort of take themselves out of the way. So like. You know, a team like the Celtics, who I don't think is going to make that Eastern Conference Finals, but instead of them being in a playing type situation, they could get into the top six now. Um, same thing with the Raptors, depending on their positioning. Like maybe they're able to go from being a first round out type team to being someone that could sneak into the second round, depending on their matchup. Like if they were to get the Heat in the first round or the Celtics in the first round, depending on matchups, then. They can go that one step further, I guess is my point. And same thing for the Bulls. Like if they could have had a bit of, a bit better luck in terms of the injuries and maybe some better positioning in terms of where they're sort of currently constituted on, the, on within the standings and those sorts of things, uh, maybe things would have been better. But I just keep getting feedback from fans that I'm being pessimistic now, which is irony given that a couple of weeks ago people were telling me for being too C red about going all in and trading Patrick Williams and all this sort of nonsense. But um, you got to just know. be you, Mark. You're never going to please everyone. C-Red Mark is not going to make Doggable Nation happy. Doggable Mark is not going to make C-Red Nation happy. You just got to be you. Well, yeah, that, I suppose. But um, I like to please people, but uh, <laughs> it's not happening at the moment, supposedly. But uh, look, it is what it is. Um, look, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Who the hell knows? Maybe I'm wrong. And like I said before, the best hope for the Bulls, I think, at the moment is just to hold the fort whilst... Um, you know, Lonzo and Caruso's out. Maybe they go a little better than 500. Maybe, like I said, the Nets and Sixers take some time to acclimatize their new rosters. The Sim- Simmons won't be playing for a little bit of time at least. Kyrie is still a douchebag, so who the hell, know, who the hell knows what he's going to do. James Harden and B, like they're going to work out their situation and, and how, how those touches will be distributed, all that sort of stuff. So maybe there's some scope here for for the Bulls, and maybe I am being a, a pessimistic douchebag, but um, look, time will tell, uh, and, and if I'm wrong, then I'll, I'll eat my words, but this is how I'm feeling at the moment, and uh, this is my podcast, so anyone feeling otherwise can shut the hell up, <laughs> I guess. Get your own podcast and tell me to get stuffed, I guess is the point. So let me ask you uh, two questions here before we cap it off. I think yeah. I've kind of exhausted my takes here. None of them were very yeah, hot, but um they are what they are. So I want to know, who do you think now are the Eastern Conference Finals you know, favorites? Who do you think will make the Conference Finals and play each other there? And then my next question for you would be your favorite and least favorite move from the deadline. Well, so much of it is based on seedings, I suppose. Like if the Heat were somehow to get into a situation where they could avoid like two of the Nets and Bucks and Sixers, then I think they've got a real nice chance to sort of slide into that Eastern Conference Finals position, but I would say the two best teams at the moment in the East are the, the Heat and the Bucks. Uh, we saw what the Bucks just how they just demolished uh, the Lakers the other day, and I don't know, like they're still my top two teams in the East. If the Sixers can work out this Embiid and and uh, Harden connection this season, then like if they can get that together within the next ten to fifteen games, then I think they have a real chance at winning the Eastern Conference too. I don't think the Nets are going to do it, so they would be my top three teams at the moment, and. I would I would imagine one of those teams comes out of it, but it'll be based on positioning as to who they meet in you know the first or second round sort of thing. So, um, and then I, quick, I'm going to hedge a little bit there. Quick stipulation on the trade question is no Harden Simmons. You can't choose that one. No, no, that, that's certainly not my um my 
my best or worst deal. The worst deal was for me, like I just made no sense. Was like the Mavs and Wizards trade. Yeah, that's like, what I was gonna say. That was so bizarre, <laughs> just from both yeah. teams' perspectives. I, I know the Mavs were able to free up some money to re-sign Dorian Finney-Smith, which they just did, uh, and it'll probably allow them to re-sign Brunson. But what a weird trade! Essentially, um, what was it? Porzingis for Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Uh, I mean, yeah, what yeah, is yeah. happening? Like Batons, like maybe if he can play like he did not last season, the season before or whenever it was, like he was shooting just lights out from three, like maybe you can get like, I don't know, 60 to 70% of what uh, Pozinkas was giving you at 60 to 70% of the cost. But I mean, he hasn't been good this season. Dinwiddie hasn't been good this season. Um, and then for the Wizards, like why would you want Pozinkas? I think so. I don't know. The Wizards are just confusing more generally. I have no idea what they're doing. But uh, th- that was just a weird random trade that I did not expect to see today. That as to the best trade today, I, I really like the Derek White trade to, to Boston. Um, you know, I- I'm kind of scared about the Boston, the Celtics' defense at this point. Like adding Derek White, who is an awesome combo guard to to Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and, and Jason Tatum from a defensive standpoint, whilst getting back Tice, whilst already having Robert Williams and Al Horford, like that is like best defense in the NBA potential. Um, and they have a lot of pieces specifically for the Bulls that would match up really well for the Bulls. So like, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be too worried about the Celtics because they've been all over the place all season, but in terms of players, like they, they, I think they've improved their team a lot today. So I think they actually made the best deal today, whilst the Wizards and Mavericks co-share the uh, the worst trade. They're closing four of Smart, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum is going to be such a handful. I really like that move yeah. as well. Um, yeah, the Kings Pacers move I thought was pretty interesting too. I really like the the new Pacers core with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Chris Duarte and you know they kept Miles Turner so maybe he sticks around he seemed happy about the trade they have Isaiah Jackson who I think is going to be a good player at some point and then a couple of really potentially high draft picks so they could add a ton of talent and sort of kickstart their rebuild um that was another one of my favorite moves I mean Halliburton is just awesome so another uh awesome potential team in the central division that the Bulls are gonna have to compete with for years to come yeah and you mentioned it before but like whilst i'm not the biggest Karis Levert guy like the the Cavs are already good and to add someone that fundamentally helps them like i wouldn't necessarily want to be paying Karis Levert's next contract but at the same time like he's someone that's generally going to help the team in like a really damn good team in the eastern conference and i don't know if they still have the best point differential or the best net rating in the eastern conference but they certainly have had that or held that position for a long time in the east and they haven't seemingly gone away despite their injuries so like they, they continue to find ways to get it done and he just seems like a great fit there with garland mobley and, and allen both in the short term and long term so that was a sneaky good deal as well um uh, well, at least maybe the trade was fair, fair, fair in the sense, but I think it's going to be outcome for what it means for Cleveland as well. It's going to be a good deal as well. But yeah, I like, I really like what the Pacers have done. Um, that's a good catch. And like, I don't know if they're going to keep Buddy. I don't know if they're going to keep Brogdon um, because they got the, almost the younger versions of them in Duarte and, and Halliburton. But like, if you don't keep them, they're nice trade pieces. So they potentially could make some moves in the offseason as well and they could you know continue retooling. But yeah, a lot of teammates... Teams made some good um some good moves and um maybe some didn't make some 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 good moves but uh I yeah, I think a lot of teams improved uh, around the league at the moment so yeah the Bulls didn't make a move surprised that the Warriors didn't make a move like you could argue the Warriors should have made a move but um it is what it is uh yeah it is what it is 
not much more than that to say. Um, no, let's close. Yeah, let's close. I think uh, we've exhausted our takes, as you sort of alluded to. Uh, I'm certainly done. My, my throat is hurt. I'm in a, not a negative place, but um, just a little disappointed. Just a little disappointed. Yep, I'm with you. Alrighty, well, let's end the podcast there. Um, maybe maybe you guys feel differently. If you feel differently um, and uh, want to send us con- constructive criticism and, and not be a douchebag about it, then I'm, then I'm happy to hear your thoughts. But um, you can catch Will and I on Twitter at Won't God Leave, at MK Hoops, the podcast is on Twitter as well, at Balls HQ Pod. You know where to find us, follow us, do all that sort of good stuff. Appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Balls HQ. Uh, yeah, like I said, if you feel differently about the deadline, let us know. But nonetheless, I appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back next week to discuss, I guess, you know, the, the further ramifications of the trade deadline, the, the games at hand that the Bulls are playing and, you know, what happens next for the Bulls. Maybe there'll be some buyout um, decisions that are made. So uh, next week we'll be back. Um, so be on the lookout for that wherever you get your podcasts. Speak then, Bulls fans. Coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! 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 Ah! Some things never change. Like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.